Welcome to the Myelin and Melanin podcast with Dawn and Dana. We are just two women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. And this is a very special episode 26. Yes, it is. You probably noticed a new intro song. Our music producer, Shah Severe, was kind enough to create a special beat in honor of our guest. We are really, really excited to be joined by hip-hop royalty, Master Ace. He will dive in and share his experiences living with MS since 2000. Yes, I am super excited to talk to Master Ace because... Master Ace, he's wonderful, yes. Yes. but I'm really looking forward to hearing a black male perspective because it's really not often that we hear them. I think the statistic is that women are diagnosed two to three times more often than men. So as a result, men's voices get lost in the shuffle. We really don't see them or hear them. They're just not represented as much. Right. Right. They're not. And I was on social media, you know, on Instagram a few days ago and it just an ad came up for Tecfidera and Tecfidera is a disease modifying therapy used to treat MS and it's in the pill form. And there were several stories of, uh, well, not, I don't, I shouldn't say stories. It was just kind of like a little small sentence mm-hmm. after each, each female's picture. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, where are the men, number one, and where are the people of color, number two. Mm -hmm. I didn't see anybody of color. And at the end, that's when I saw a man. And he didn't have as much to say as the women. And I don't know um, if, I'm not sure if these companies realize this right now, but there is a need to see all people from all walks of life, you know. Um, And back when we were younger, we did see Richard Pryor, you know, um, right. he talked about having MS, but they kind of just left it there. You know, I think right. listening, I, I once listened to, a, uh, what is it, um, 60 Minute Story with him and Barbara Walters, and they talked mm. about him having MS, but they just right. left it there. And so now you fast forward and, into the latter years and we have Montel Williams. Oh, goodness. Yes. And so... <laughs> The default. The default, exactly. (laughs) You know, it's almost like when, if people know that you have a mess, they're like, oh, you know, Montel has it too, Uh, right? Yes. And so it's fantastic, Montel, that you you use your voice and your platform to talk about it. And especially being a man of color. And I I do like that. But they they just don't focus or feature anyone else. It's almost like Montel is the man only with MS. Right. And he's not relatable to everyone. No, no, I agree. I agree. So that's why I'm really, really, you know, like I said, just kind of overjoyed and excited to talk to Master Ace uh, because it's, it will be interesting to find out his perspective and just kind of hear about his life, you know. Um, And again, he is just an amazing artist. Um, He is a global hip hop artist whose work spans across three decades. He, as far as I'm concerned, you're concerned, you can chime in. He's hip hop royalty. You know, that that is not to be questioned because yes. it is. Um, his most recent album, A Brooklyn Story with producer Marco Polo, was released in November 2018. And it features Fight Song, which gives a glimpse of the reality or, you know, of everything about MS, really, the reality of MS. Yes, and listeners, if you haven't already heard Fight Song, 
please go listen to it immediately. Um, you can find it wherever you stream your music, and it's even on YouTube. It is a really powerful song, just really dope. Go listen yes, to it. Absolutely. So, with that being said, thank you for taking time to talk with us, Ace. Uh, would you mind telling us a bit about your MS journey? You were diagnosed in 2000, right? Yes, I was diagnosed in 2000, and um, so I've been living with it for a little over 18 years. With that said, in an article, I think it was the Medium article that you wrote for QPoint, you had mentioned that you didn't publicly disclose your disease until 2013. And Don and I didn't publicly disclose our diseases until many years after our diagnoses. For me, it was about 12 years after I was diagnosed. I've been diagnosed now for almost 15 years. And Don, was it, what, 15 for you? 15 for me. I was diagnosed May 23rd, 2000. Yes. So Ace, what what do you think made you hesitant to disclose your disease? Uh, so at first... I was definitely dealing with a little bit of like denial, um, trying to figure out how this happened, why me. I went through a lot of that. Um, I hadn't decided yet if I was going to continue to do music. I was kind of at a crossroads in my career where doing music was definitely, it was, I was on the fence about what I was going to do going forward. Mm. Um, the diagnosis actually gave me a renewed commitment to to doing music in a different mm-hmm. way and to really express myself on my music in a way that I hadn't done mm-hmm. before. It became it became it, it just kind of inspired me to say, okay, well, if you know, because I was kind of I thought I was at the end of my mm-hmm. career. I thought that it was pretty much going to be my last mm-hmm. album, and I said to myself, you know, if if this was going to be the last album. That I wanted it to go out on the right yeah. terms. I wanted to go out with the right statement. I wanted fans to know how I felt about everything. Right. And so I went in the studio to work on this record for I don't know, about six months or so. And we released it in October of 2001. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much a year after the diagnosis. And I still was not sh- certain about talking about it. Only my mm. my wife knew, a couple of close friends, my mom, but not a lot of people. And once the record came out, I, uh, that was when I really made the concrete decision that I wasn't going to talk about the diagnosis. And the reason I did that is because I wanted any uh, any positive feedback on my project to be right. genuine. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me because I had this disease and now are saying, oh, your music is dope. I like the new album. I I, I wanted to know that people really rocked with me based on the music and not because of some outside other thing, that being this diagnosis. And so that was the real crux of why I held on to that information all that time because I started to really put out a lot of music. I started to mm-hmm. tour a lot. And this is overwhelming, you know, response from fans around the world. And I just wanted to know that it was genuine and real. And and I think after, you know, it was, I don't know mm-hmm. how many years later, about 15, I guess, uh, or a little less than mm-hmm. that, maybe 12. Um, 
when I felt like I had, you know, put out a few projects, I felt like the response was was real. People really liked right. what I was doing musically. They liked me as an artist genuinely. And um there was there was an incident that actually happened overseas um that pushed me cuz I was thinking about it, you know, kind uh-huh. of going public with it. And then we were overseas in um the Czech Republic and we got pulled over by um some police and they pulled us over to the side of the road, our van, our tour van. Um, they made us all get out and they went systematically. They had us for about 90 minutes. They went wow. through every single bag in the van and, um, and, and they, and they found my MS medication. And so Marco Polo was there. My friend Strickland was there. Uh, our tour manager, Maria was driving. And so when they found the meds, they were, they were on the phone calling, asking oh, okay. questions wanting to know what this was. And this is like, none of my, none of these people with me know about right. my diagnosis. So, um, it went through a process. Um, and then once they clarified, you know, what the, what the medication was and over the phone, they were speaking another language. So the, my mm-hmm. friends didn't know, but when we got back in the van, um, maybe 20, 30 minutes into the drive, everybody was silent because we were just still you know, yeah. just shocked by the whole incident, you know, right. being pulled over 90 minutes, his dogs, right. his guns. But once everybody kind of, you know, t- exhaled, you know, um, I guess Marco decided that he was going to be the one to ask the question, you know, what was that medication mm-hmm. that they that they found? Or what was that right. stuff? And I paused a moment and then I just told everybody in the van and I just said, just, you know, please respect my right. privacy you know, I, I I I felt like in a way God was kind of pushing me to to mm-hmm. to to talk mm-hmm. to talk about it to not run from it anymore. And that incident was right. was God's way of saying it's okay, speak right. on it. So I told them, and maybe six months, seven months later, I went I went public with an with an uh, with a uh, an interview that I um that I did for I believe it was for. All hip hop, yeah. or one of the hip hop blogs. I, I did a exclusive interview, and um, and then that's when it kind of hit all of the different media circuits, and it kind of started to float around. A lot of people still didn't right. know about it, but the information yeah. is out there. And after after that, I kind of felt better about yes. it, about the whole thing. Can I ask a Glad question? Um, what medication were you taking at that time? I take Avonex injections. Okay. So I, I I take them intra mm-hmm. intramuscular mm-hmm. once once a week, and um, I know that there's you know my um, neurologist says that there's all these yes. new things pills and different things and stuff you can only you only have to take it once right. a month and different things and I've I've kind of been hesitant to try anything new only because I've been doing so well. Um, okay. I've I've really been flourishing physically. Um, and you know my blood works right. always good. I take really good care of myself. Um, I'm I'm in, I'm in the gym three to four days wow. a week. Um, when I when I tour, you know I'm running around on stage like a maniac, <laughs> having a great time. Um, and so my my reluctance to try one of the new um, meds was just because it was it was kind of that mentality of if it's right. not broke. Don't fix it. Don't fix it. So I just said, you know what? Let me just stick with what I'm doing. It's working. And until something 
until I feel like I'm digressing mm-hmm. in some way, I'm going to stick with right. what I'm doing. So you're still taking right. Avanex? Yes, okay. I'm still taking it. I'm still taking it. I haven't had a, I haven't had um, an MS episode since 2002 oh, wow. or three. Wow. Do you yeah. get regular MRIs? Not regular. Um, I've been very bad about that. Um, I got one in 2015, but I hadn't had one before that for ten years, which which isn't which isn't good. I I just my 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 health insurance. It was one of those business mm-hmm. decisions, you know, because I was going to be straight out of pocket, right. and I probably ha- I probably had that money three right. times over, but just didn't want to spend. Seventeen hundred dollars on the MRI, yeah, right? You know, out of out of. I just didn't seem like I wanted to do that. But then, once I got um, once I got health insurance through the um, the Affordable uh, mm-hmm. Care Act, I was able to get my MRI. I still had to pay something, but it wasn't anywhere near what right. it would have been. Mm-hmm. And um, to my surprise, ten years later, um, my MRI had had no. A significant change. Really? No new lesions. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Both Dawn and I took Avanex early, <laughs> yeah. early on in our MS journeys. We were not compliant. No, not at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, for me, this is Dana, and for me, just the idea of injecting myself was—it was too much oh. for me. And I mean, I was twenty four at the time when I was diagnosed. So I was still like, you know, in my early twenties, just living it up. Didn't want to accept the fact that I had this disease. So, you know, I Mm -hmm. kind of, I really didn't have many symptoms. And so, um, I I think I was in a lot of denial. Like I don't need to take this medication. Mm -hmm. Um, right. Yeah. And the same with me, I was 24, 25, and I just moved to D.C. two years before, and I was just like, "There's no way I'm I'm living it up in Republic Gardens. We're having fun. I don't I don't want to inject myself. I'm I'm good." So I think I did it for a yeah. year, and and after the nurse came and he was teaching me on an, on an orange, he was like, "Yeah, your skin is like an orange. It'll be fine. Just push it in, and you'll be you'll be okay." And it was just too much for me at that time. I w- I was too. I don't know. I, I was too young, I think, and right. I, I wasn't ready. Yeah. I, I I hear you. I, I was I was much older when I got diagnosed, so I was okay. I was I was down to do whatever yeah. it was going to take to make me feel feel okay. And so, um, yeah, it was. It's definitely it's definitely a little bit uh you know nerve wracking to 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 jab a you know needle into your skin right. and on your by yourself or whatever, but. Um, now they have these, the, the pin yeah. kit. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that makes right. life a lot easier. And I hated, push your button. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, I hated no, no, the, no. um, side effects too. Just feeling like I, like I had the flu the next day and I was just, and those were probably all excuses cause I just didn't want to do it, <laughs> yeah. but. Interesting. Um, so like to me, because I mean, I know everybody varies, but my, the, the flu symptom mm-hmm. thing. For me, was 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 very mild and very tolerable. Um, um, I didn't even take the Tylenol. Like I, wow. I, I said, I'm not taking the Tylenol because that that would have meant me taking Tylenol for the last mm-hmm. almost 20 right. years once yeah. a week. Exactly. Who knows what that does right. to your liver? So I was like, I'll just deal right. with it. And honestly, 
it was tolerable to the point where where because I take my injections on mm-hmm. Sunday nights, so I go through the flu symptoms mm-hmm. on Mondays. It was to the point where I was actually doing doing three, four, five mile runs on Mondays. That was my oh, run wow. day, mm-hmm. so I, I wasn't feeling that bad, and I pushed through. That is, we Dana and I are both. We have been on four medications. Dana's on her fourth. I've taken four. So I, I, I don't know why this has happened, but my mother claims that because you were non-compliant, that's why you have to take, you have had to take so many. So we've taken the newer ones. So I, I took Avanax, Copaxin, Tisabri, and uh, Limtrata. So I didn't do the pill form. And Dana, you what, you've done the yeah. same except... Ocrevus or Ocevus or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Are those those all injections? No, they're um, infusions. Oh, how does that work? Well, you go to your neurologist's office and- Oh, you do it in the office? Right, in the office. And Ah. you sit for probably a good hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours because you sit for an hour, you get, sometimes you get solumedrol prior to- the infusion just to cut down on any type of reaction that you may have. And then they have mm-hmm. to monitor you an hour after just to make sure that there is no reaction. Um, so is that like an IV? Yeah, it's an IV. Yes. Yeah. Once a month. Is it once, mm-hmm. once a month? So. Man, that, to me, that's, that's, that's more of a commitment than, than what I do. I feel anyway, to have to go to a doctor's office, you know, once a month. Right. You know, I, that, that's a really good point, And that's not even something that I, thought about. I think I was just so excited to not have to worry about injections. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, right. but yeah. Some people don't like needles. I get right. it. Right. I I had numbing cream because uh, it started to become quite painful for me. So uh, my aunt is a nurse and so she was like, oh, I'll just bring this numbing cream from the hospital for you. And um, and that, that helped, but still psychologically, I just couldn't wrap my yes. head around, you know, injecting myself every month. But I mean, eventually I got over it and you do what you have to do, you know? Yeah. So, right. yeah. Um, but I, I do have another question for you. How do you think MS has affected your profession? I mean, since you've been doing so well, do you think it slowed you down or do you have moments where you feel like, oh, I don't know if I could do this or, you know, I could go hard today, you know, how do you- it hasn't. It hasn't slowed me down. It's, if anything, it's sped oh, me up. Oh wow, wonderful! When I'm on when I'm on stage, I um I jump around like I don't know when I'm when I'm. And I realize there may be a day when I can't mm-hmm. jump around, so I'm going to take full advantage of the use of my legs and arms, and I'm going to have all the active movement that I can have, and I have a mm-hmm. great time on that stage. Do you have you ever spoken to your neurologist about? Uh, your your lesions or where they're placed on your brain or are they in your spinal cord? Do you know? They're on my spine and on my brain. Okay. And um, I don't have the same neurologist that I had back when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So and 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 I feel like I need to find a new neurologist just because it's not. I don't feel like it's personal mm-hmm. enough. Like I, I just feel like it's just like super routine. Yes. Um, there's no real conversation i mean there's conversation but it's just he, like he's literally like looking he, his head is down the whole time he's reading over the last time he took notes mm-hmm. he's he's basically just regurgitating his notes from the last time and asking me the same questions that he asked the last time 
a couple of physical, uh, you know, lift your leg, mm-hmm. walk here, do this, do that. And I just feel like there could be a lot yes. more in that in that relationship. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about, I've, I've had a couple, couple, couple of people reach out to me, um, guys that are neurologists and also hip hop fans who um, have reached out and said, you know, you're welcome to come to my office. I'm in Jersey and, and, and one of the guys is in New York, so I don't know how that would work with the insurance, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I feel like I want to find somebody else because I just don't feel like he's. I don't. I don't feel like he cares. I just feel like it's like a. It's a copay. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just another. That's all. That's, that's how. That's how I feel. No, he doesn't have good bedside manner. Nah, it's, it's it's yeah. And I think that's important, especially when you have a chronic illness. It's important to, even though you may be stable for such a long period of time, like you are, but you want someone that's invested in you. You don't want just a yes. note taker, you know? Exactly. Yeah, because this it's, is my life. Important. I mean, right. the rest of my life, I'm stuck with this disease. Like, I want someone who cares about me as a person. Yeah, I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know what's never been brought up in any of my visits, and this is for the entire time that I've had the diagnosis. Nobody has ever brought up diet, mm. and 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 the part that diet plays or could can yes. play. Yes. And 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 so, you know, I've systematically changed my diet quite dramatically from back when I was diagnosed to now. And it's been gradual changes, but very deliberate and gradual changes along the way, cutting out different things at different times. And, and, and now I'm at the point where I'm kind of at the, I'm at the threshold of, of, of vegan. I'm, I'm, I still eat fish a couple mm-hmm. of times okay. a week, um, but I've, 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 I've cut out red meat for four years now, uh, chicken for two. I haven't eaten pork forever, mm-hmm. but... Um, I'm on my way to a vegan lifestyle. I've cut out all the processed foods. I've cut out, you know, white sugar, white bread, white flour, white, white rice. Mm -hmm. I've cut out dairy. Um, Dairy, I've been off dairy for about five years, four or five years, roughly. Um, And, um, and, 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 you know, I just think that the doctors need to be more invested in that side of it. Um, I read a book by a, by a neurologist who, who actually had MS, um, a doctor, and she, um, it was called The Walls right. Protocol. Yes, Dr. Terry Walls, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, her, when I, when I read how she went from basically wheelchair-bound to running three miles, and, and, and essentially it was all based around her changing her diet, that told me everything. I was already on that journey. I was already on my journey because I read that book recently, but I'm just saying it just confirmed for me you know that diet plays a huge part in healing our bodies and you know who knows if what i've done in terms of diet has helped me to thrive the way that i have and been able to you know be as stable as i've absolutely. been absolutely but i feel like it's made a difference i i have to agree with you and dana is uh not a vegan but i'm hardcore vegan If I can just share with you when I, so I was a vegetarian at age nine by choice. Nobody is, um, is, you know, it's not a religious thing or anything. I just decided I don't want meat. And we were on a family Mm -hmm. vacation and my mother was like, are you sure? I was like, nope. And I just stopped eating meat. So 
I did at that time, I still was eating cheese. Um, occasionally, if they put chicken on my plate, I would eat it. But I, I was hardcore. Even in college, I was just like nothing. And in college, you know, it's hard to find good food. So um, yeah. as I progressed and got older, I said, you know, something's got to change. And I could feel my body changing. And then I got hit with, you know, the diagnosis and I was like, okay, in 2000, I went in my kitchen and I threw everything away. And I even, I went so hardcore as to change, uh, soaps, toothpaste, uh, toothbrushes, everything. I just went all natural, everything. I started yoga. I started Tai Chi. I started meditation. I do that religiously. I started running. I was a runner run. I would run four miles every day. And then that for me that the plant-based lifestyle worked. And I think, so for nine years, I took myself, like we said, I was not compliant with Avonex. So I took myself off of medication and I didn't have an exacerbation. I didn't really have any symptoms. Um, stress is ultimately what kind of entered my life and halted, halted right. everything. But, um, uh, but for, in terms of eating and, and just managing things, I, I felt like that my plant-based diet helped and it still does. I'm still that way. And for two years, two, two of those years prior to my son uh, being born, I was hardcore raw foodist. So I was juice. I still juice. I juice every week, my green juice, my beet juice, everything. Um, and I just, I feel like it makes me feel better. And I can tell if I've gone to a restaurant with people and then I, I'll eat something. I'm like, ah, this rice, it was the rice that I ate that makes me feel sluggish and tired. You, you can feel it in your body. So, um, but I mean, yeah. I can't, I can't promote my lifestyle and say, okay, this is what's going to be the panacea and, you know, going to help everyone, but this is, this is what works for me. So. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm actually amazed that you had the instinct immediately after your diagnosis to go home and throw out all your food, because I didn't make that connection for quite a couple of years. Like I, 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 it was gradual for me. I didn't, it's amazing to me that you just immediately, it's like, it's the food. Like you went, you went right there. Like it took me probably five or six years. Um, I did the, I did the master cleanse like three times in those five years. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the master cleanse, but yes. um, yeah. So I, I did that three, three different times in that, in that, in that, in those five years or whatever. And every time that I did it, as soon as I was off of it, I eventually went back to eating the same way I was eating and I would gain all the weight back and start feeling the same way. And, and I was like, there's something to this, this food thing. And maybe I need to, the next time I cut stuff out, I'm going to just like cut it out and keep it out. And so that's what I started. That's what I, that's what I did. But it took me five or six years to make the connection with diet and the way that I was feeling. You know, what's interesting about both of your food stories? Um, well, first of all, m many of our listeners know, but my mother has MS as well. And her sister, mm -hmm. my aunt has MS. And so I think for me, MS was, and I'll just, you know, full disclosure, I am not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. I love a good steak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that I could eat better. And I fully believe that diet does impact the way that you know, the disease might manifest and how it makes one feel. But I think because MS wasn't a new thing in my reality, since, you know, my mom has it, my aunt has it, you know, I didn't gravitate immediately to, well, food is something that's going to help me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it was yeah. something that was yeah. just kind of like, 
you know, it is what it is. Now I'm stuck with this disease that people in my family have, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if that makes sense. But. Well, it does. But I think like what you were saying, Ace, the instinct that I felt was something that I connected to and I remembered when I was nine, because I remember, like I said, we were on this little family vacation or whatever, and I had a hamburger like from Burger King or something. And I remember how it made me feel. And I, and I said, I'll never eat meat again. And so after my diagnosis, my father went with me that day and I came home and I was like, something's got to stop. Something has to change. I don't like how this is making me feel. And that's, I think that's what sparked me tossing everything. So, so we'll see how it goes so far. So good. (laughs) I don't know. In the uh, medium article that you um, wrote for Q point back in 2016. So you had talked about how diet has really changed your life and the way you feel as it relates to MS. How has exercise impacted you? Do you find that that kind of aids in your overall well-being, overall well-being? Absolutely. Um, exercise and movement mm-hmm. is part of this journey that, that I'm on. And I know a lot of people look at exercise as a chore. Mm-hmm. They look at it as something that is going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable, um, that they're going to hate and they're going to be happy when it's over. And I, and I really don't look at exercise in that way. I look at exercise as a way to I look at it as uh, keeping my body strong um, because I know that ev- every day, potentially, this this disease is trying to weaken mm-hmm. me. And so mm-hmm. every time that I embark on an exercise regimen, and I've tried many different ones, I do, a, I do a HIIT class on Tuesdays, I do a really intense kettlebell strength class on, on Wednesdays, and, a, and an athletic training class on Fridays. Wow. Sometimes I lift weights on Thursdays. Um, but all of those things that I do is f- with the sole purpose of keeping my body strong. It's almost like to maintain mm-hmm. as opposed to build or get stronger or bigger. I, I, don't, I don't really care about right. that. Like some mm-hmm. guys just want to lift weights to get big muscles. For me, it's not about that. For me, it's about keeping my physical dexterity intact because this disease on a daily basis is trying to strip me of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, when I'm in those classes and sometimes we have to do, you know, push-ups or pull-ups or different things like that using the arms and I feel like my, my my shoulders, I feel the weakness in my shoulders mm-hmm. that's that's that 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 makes me like like man, my shoulders shouldn't be this tired after doing 10 push-ups. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not a strength thing. It's a it's a muscle weakness right. thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, feeling those those moments of weakness is what reminds me to keep pushing, mm-hmm. keep working, you know, fight fight against it, and that that's what that's really the basis of the fight song. Yes, right. yes, which is incredible. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. and um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Jenny. and the reality too is that when you when it all comes down to it, exercise is really a privilege. Because the reality with this crazy disease is that, you know, you could wake up tomorrow morning and not be able, you know, to use your arm. To stand up. You know, exactly. So, you know, making the best out of every day and the abilities that you have to do those things is 
everything, I think. Right. Absolutely. I'll tell you, um, right after I was diagnosed within a year, I guess, uh, I, I made a decision that I was going to try to do as many things, physical things that I never thought I would ever try to do. The first thing I did was I took skiing lessons mm. and I went skiing. I'd never been on a pair of skis before. Uh, but I said, I want to try it. Right. I, I tried it. It was cool. Um, and it wasn't about being great at it or anything. It was just about, you know, like pushing yourself. One, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, if one day I'm not able to use my legs, I won't be able, I won't say, I won't be, I won't have to say, man, I wish I had tried skiing while I could still, right. you know, stand if I could still walk. Right. So that's why I tried skiing. Then I learned how to, I learned how to, uh, snowboard after that. Wow. And I'm actually, I actually still do that. Like I, I prefer snowboarding. So I do that. I try to do it at least once per winter. I'm going to go, actually, I'm going in a couple of weeks with my daughter. I'm going to take her out. Um, but, uh, and then I was in New Zealand for a trip and we were in, um, Queenstown and I actually paraglided. Oh, wow. Which is something that I would have never in a million years considered doing. But there I was running off the side of a mountain with a parachute attached to my Mm -hmm. back and, and literally floating, you know, 15,000 feet or something wow. down to the ground. Is that physically What's challenging? It? I can't imagine. I mean, you're literally just standing there hoping that you don't crash and die. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're at the mercy of the wind and, and, and the instructor who's attached to, to the apparatus right. with you. Wow. But, but it was just it was just really about the experience, right. just saying, yo, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I would never have considered it, but it's like kind of just taking charge of, of, of your life and saying, let me try to do everything yes. that I never, that, that, that I perhaps one day might not be able to try. Right. Let's do it now. Right, right. Which kind of goes into my, my question for you. Um, you know, those of us that, that deal with the illness understand, you know, it can take a toll on you. It can mm-hmm. literally and physically kind of have your head spinning. And um, I just wanted to know what other things besides the paragliding, um, what, what keeps you focused and sane and happy, you know, kind of on a daily basis or a monthly basis? Uh, definitely my wife and daughter, mm-hmm. family, being home. Um, keeps me sane. Um, I feel like performing, mm-hmm. being on the road, touring, um, connecting with fans, um, hearing their stories. I can't tell you how many times now after shows that a fan comes up to me saying either they have MS or their mm-hmm. mom or their somebody in their family, and somehow right. you know my story helped them in some way. Um, it happens quite often now, and that's always great. Um, to know that I'm impacting other people with my story, and so yes, you know, all of those things help. All of those things help. The working out, the working out, it's a mental mm-hmm. thing. Um, I, I rediscovered running um, a few years ago, although I haven't run in a while, in about a year now. But uh, I've rediscovered running, which is such a Zen moment to just be out by yourself with your headphones mm-hmm. on. Just you and the, you know, the street and just, right, just running, just, just, just zone out. Yeah. Yeah. Just zone out. Yeah. And, and all of those things bring me the kind of, that, that bring me that peace. No, you, you really have been, I have to interject and say you were, I was talking to a friend of mine and I just randomly got an email 
And um, after talking to my friend, I was like, let me check my messages. And I got this email and it was Master A speaks about MS. And I was like, wow, where'd this come from? And I read the story. I think it was Ambrosia for Heads. I think that's what I said in the email Mm -hmm. to you. And Mm -hmm. you really inspired me. And um, Dana and I had been talking about doing a podcast, you know, focusing on men and just kind of getting somebody's perspective. But um, I'm just so grateful to you and appreciate everything. And you really were an inspiration for me in reading that. And, you know, it's just, if that's great, like connecting with people, you know, and that that's what this is about, in my opinion. And I love that. So I really want to say thank you. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. not a problem. So, yeah. Yeah. Are you, you're going on tour soon, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We got some dates. Uh, we got some dates in March in the, on the West coast of the U S and then we're going to do some in kind of, I guess the Midwest slash East coast. And then that's in, that's in March. And then in April, we're looking to go to South America to do some dates. Oh, wow. And then in uh, May, we're back, we're back to Europe for another lengthy lengthy run probably another month uh of touring in europe in may Mm -hmm. so yeah staying busy okay so if you're in dc i'll have to i'll look on the website there's actually a dc show uh hold on i can tell you what the date is okay i'm putting it on my calendar um this we're still working out the details but the date hold on i believe it's in is it in march I apologize. Okay. I should I should have been quicker than that. No, it's okay. Oh, no problem. No problem. I I just know I'll be at the concert. Dana, you should I'm, you should fly in. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna assume he's not gonna be in Milwaukee anytime soon. <laughs> well, he said Midwest, so maybe yeah, you true. know April 13th. <laughs> okay, is the DC date, and I just did a show in Milwaukee not long ago. This I think it was in we did it in August. I was there in August. Oh, okay. Oh. One of the guys I one of the guys I tour with is from Milwaukee. I don't know if you knew that. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. His name is his name is his name is Strickland. Uh, he's on the new album. He's actually a fire lieutenant in Milwaukee. That's his that's his day job, and he tours with me wherever I go. If you go on my page, you'll see all pictures of me oh. and him on the stage and doing our thing. But he yeah, he's from Milwaukee, and I've been out there a couple times. Doing a show, I, I actually spoke at an, at a hip hop week. They had something called Hip Hop Week. Yes, I wanted yes. that either September or August. I can't remember, but it was August. Oh yeah, yep. I came out and spoke at that, and um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't perform, but I came out and spoke, and uh, I actually spoke about I spoke at the hospital about 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 my journey about MS and the whole bit. Oh, probably at St. Joseph's Hospital. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was St. Joseph's. That's dope. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the concert. Um, April thirteenth. I can I, I can look on your website. Well, Dana will kind of yeah uh, you know, yeah okay. We'll we'll get dates and things yes. like that. Okay. We haven't posted we haven't posted it yet, but we'll, we'll we'll have it up for you. Okay. Okay. Thank you again. We really appreciated this discussion and the fact that you were just so willing to and honest and open and sharing your story and your journey with us. We really appreciate that. No problem. How can people reach out to you on social media? Absolutely. Um, my Twitter is just Master Ace, M-A-S-T-A-A-C-E. Um, my Instagram is Master Ace Picks, P-I-C-S. And my uh, Facebook fan page is Master Ace Official. 
can reach me on any of those. Great. And we'll post all that to the blog. Yes. So, yes. yes, thank you. So with all of that said, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to Myelin and Melanin. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also find us on YouTube, and Don and I are going to be better with <laughs> posting videos. <laughs> yes. So take care, everyone, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Peace. Peace.